Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave Podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Practice Brave Podcast. Today, I am here with my friend and colleague, Vanessa Long, and we are going to be talking about what it's like to shift your identity and what that looks like when you become a mom, athlete brain, and what her life is like as an athlete and as a coach and as a mom and just that whole journey because she's she has been such a very special example of this life and athletic transition. So Vanessa, thank you for being here, my friend. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Like I said, I'm super honored to even be asked to come on here. It's, you know, I listen to the podcast all the time. So, Well, then you'll know that it's really important to keep having this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. It's So, so important. Yeah. So when we, we talk a lot on this podcast about the balance or maybe more of the juggle of motherhood, of being an athlete, of maybe being a coach, your career in general, and just all the different pieces that really sort of help shape what we consider our, our identity to be. And one, one thing that always comes back to my mind that I read somewhere, I think maybe in Atomic Habits, was that our identity has to be fluid. But that's mm-hmm. not easy for an athlete to accept, right? And so, like, I want you to give our listeners here a little bit of context about who you are and what your background is and what you do. Okay, so yes, being fluid, I think, is the biggest challenge I've I've had to learn in the last two and a half years. But again, I think it comes back to who I was before I got pregnant. And so my background is I was a competitive cheerleader in high school and in college before I got into CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. You know, that's why I started doing CrossFit. You know, I got into CrossFit in 2011. I went to regionals in 2012, 13, and 14. And then I got into more Olympic weightlifting. You know, my last meet was nationals in 2016. And then two weeks later, I got pregnant. And I was also managing a CrossFit gym at the time we were, it had been open for two and a half years. So I was in a gym 15 hours a day, five, six days a week. You know, my life was in a gym. You know, it was actually almost to a point where people didn't even know I was married because I was never with my husband because that's just like my identity was like in the gym. And it was, it was actually like, I look back, I'm like, that was actually kind of really sad, but it was, you know, replaced a lot of the, I don't want to say completely negative, but the insecurities and the sport team setting that I had when I was cheering in in college, it just kind of shifted into CrossFit and in weightlifting and being in a gym. So it's like, I just kind of replaced one obsession with another and it wasn't necessarily healthy at the time now that I look back on it, but that's all I knew. And that was all I understood because to me at the time, I felt like I was countering, you know, my negative, you know, body image issues, confidence issues that I had as a cheerleader. I thought that I was battling it doing CrossFit where it was like, I would say, you know, oh, I didn't care how I looked. It was about what I did. So then it became a lot more performance-based. And again, it was one of those things where I thought that I was doing something better at the time. But then as time goes by, you know, I look back and I'm like, it, I just kind of masked it with something else. And so when I got pregnant, 
it was really, really hard to really accept that I had to change, you know, and I was very much so that person, you know, in 2016, when I found out I was pregnant, no one in that space really was, was ever pregnant or, you know, was going kind of going through it at the time. It was very much so, Oh, look at this badass girl. You know, she's nine months pregnant and, you know, she, she's able to do all this. this what's your excuse? You know, it had, that, it had a lot of that kind of messaging around being pregnant, being a badass and not having any excuses to not work out that it was like, I have to set the example. I have to be that person. I have to be the one that people are going to talk about as an example, as a leader, as someone in this fitness space that knows that exercise is healthy, right? And so you have this, this kind of image, you know, you think you have to maintain, but in reality, I was like, I'd never been pregnant before. The last, like, you know, I, I guided some women through pregnancy and I, you know, I did the basic things. Like we made sure people didn't go upside down in our gym. You know, I would do my best to make sure they, you know, we would take out kipping if, you know, needed, like trying to tell them the most, more strict stuff, you know, being more on the conservative side, but at the end of the day, you know, I can never force anyone to do anything. But when it came to me, it was like, I had to live up to this expectation and I, I didn't really know where to go with that. So I, cause again, I'm the one that people came to. So what did I know? What, what was I going to do? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's so much to unpack there. So mm-hmm. one is, I think that there's so many college athletes that really struggle when they transition into life after that kind of structured training, structured exercise having just a routine that was based on performance and on being at this place at this time. And then many of us look to fill that void with something. And I don't know about you, like what you have seen. I've been out of college for (laughs) quite a few years now, (laughs) but I can look at, you know, so many different people that I competed with for, you know, all those years and just where, what have they struggled with? What has been their vice? What has been their void? And for you and for me, filling it with, I want to be in the gym and I want to be doing this and like getting that competitive fix or maybe getting that aesthetic fix of being in control mm-hmm. of something is a huge struggle for so many different athletes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is, you know, being a college athlete or an athlete in general before, you know, life, before you go into, I guess, quote unquote, the real world, you know, you have other things other than your sport the thing that we hold on to is just that sense of belonging, that sense of, of being athletic that we don't want to let go of that person that we were, because you hear it all the time. Like, you know, they almost expect to be good in the gym right away. Right. Right. It has nothing like, it has nothing to do even do with really being like in the gym so much. But like, I see a lot of times people assume like, Oh, I was a college athlete or I was an athlete before I should be able to pick up, you know, snatching super easy or how come I can't keep up with so-and-so or, you know, and it's like, it's become this comparison or almost this expectation that just because it's exercise and you were an athlete, that it should be a certain way. And if you don't live up to that expectation, it's like you're failing. So they're going to want to go harder. They're going to want to do more. They're going to push through the pain because even as a, you know, as an athlete, that's what we do, right? Like that's kind of just how we were all all raised and taught is, you know, you have this issue, you're going to push through it so you can get through this game, get through this match, get through this competition, whatever it might be. And so that kind of feeds into the gym where it's like, okay, yeah, it it had its place at a certain time, but it's like Wednesday (laughs) and it's a, it's a Wednesday and you have work in the morning and you're going to 
trash yourself where you can't even walk yourself on the toilet in an effort to prove that you could do these things just because you had a certain background. And I think that is a huge thing that I see a lot, you know, regardless of motherhood or it it goes for guys and girls alike that were previous athletes in the gym. Right. Like we're ego and athlete brain and proving something to yourself or others becomes more important Mm -hmm. than the quest of health and fitness. And I think that's, you know, that's so, so tied to athlete brain and so tied to the need to evolve who you are, what you do, and then why you're doing it and like kind of unpacking that stuff and nothing helps you unpack that. I like motherhood. <laughs> no, it, it forces you to unpack it because either you unpack it or you drive yourself absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. So your first pregnancy, you talked about that a little bit, like people, you wanted to be this badass. You wanted to be praised for what you could do. You were mm. also part of the fitness culture, which mm. you know, everyone knows I preach about where it was just that I'm listening to my body. I know what to do. I'm experienced. Mm-hmm. It's not that you didn't need to be convinced to work out. Frankly, you probably needed to be convinced to work out differently back then, right? Yes, I think. Would you have listened though? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I don't know if I had anyone to listen to. Yeah. Because at the time it was still that messaging. It was listen to your body. And I, I was, I had even convinced myself that I was doing the right things because I wasn't kipping. I stopped going upside down. I was at X amount percentage. It wasn't quote unquote hard. Right. Right. And even for me, like I was very lucky and I I'm zero convinced now that any of my fitness had anything to do with the way that I labored or delivered or anything like that. I just, I think that's just how my body was. And I was very fortunate where I had no like aches or pains or symptoms or anything really throughout my pregnancy. So it was really easy to be like, Oh, I'm fine. I feel good. Right. And so it was just very much so like I had almost convinced myself because I listened to my body and nothing was wrong that I was okay. And I was justified in doing the things that I did. Absolutely. And I I always say that if Cade's birth hadn't like kind of turned my world upside down, I never would have gone into this path of coaching because I mean, it's almost like my choices would have been validated right? Mm -hmm. Like if everything had gone perfect, then my choices for how I trained during pregnancy, what I did postpartum, like all of that would just have been validated. Instead, it really forced me to re-examine like, not just what, what what I was doing or thinking, but why, like, what was Mm -hmm. that driving force? And why am I so attached to this message or this perception or this like representation of who I am as a coach, as a woman, as an athlete, and all of this is changing. This transition is hard. And oh, wow, like I missed, I missed the point completely, you know, like there was so much of that, that really took over a year to, to get a grasp on. Yeah. So you got pregnant pretty quickly after, right? (laughs) (laughs) How far apart are your boys? 15 months. 15 months. So that was a pretty speedy, like be a badass pregnancy postpartum. How do you feel that you you recovered after your first baby? Um, I mean, I went back to coaching a month after because, you know, when you coach in a gym, you don't, and you're an independent contractor, you don't get, so you don't get time off. Right. Or, I mean, you do, but then you don't get money and then, you know, you kind of figure out, well, how am I supposed to live? So I went back after a month, I was wearing him and coaching him like that kid spent the first year of his life in a gym more than anywhere else. And yeah, 
you know, again, it was one of those things. And, and of course my six week mark, that was when the open started. (laughs) And so, you know, and even then I was, I was still lucky enough to have my coach and the owner of the gym be like, you're not allowed to do anything stupid. And I was like, okay. And I, I, I remember distinctly, I wanted to do, there was like a repeat workout with like deadlifting or something like it was like, it might've been deadlifting handstand pushup one. I don't remember, but I remember thinking I could get away with that and legitimately wanting to do that. And I think I would have been okay, but I just remember like, I felt fine, but I just felt like my body was just tired. Right. Right. And I, I just, I felt like as great as I felt during pregnancy. And this was why I started realizing like things were kind of off were that I wasn't bouncing back. Like everyone assumed I was going to. And that was the part that hurt the most that I felt like I couldn't share right in the beginning because everyone just assumed like, Oh, but you'll be fine. Like you had a fast, you know, your kid, your, your first was born super fast you know, you're fine. Like you're back and you're moving. Like you could totally like you, you're, you'll get back to where you were. And people said it with such good intention and they meant well. And I, and I appreciated it, but then it almost felt like if I didn't, then I was failing. If I didn't, I did something wrong. And it was so hard because I, I was trying to just push through something that I had no reason to do so because I was barely sleeping. I was, I was coaching some, some days at 5am with a newborn, you know, I was still working late nights. Like I was trying to do the same, same life that I had before I got pregnant with a two to three month old. Right. Right. And it's almost like sometimes we do those things, not because we have to, but because we're we're literally choosing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what, what was your second pregnancy like? The second pregnancy was kind of the same, but it was just more so like, I tried to be more, more mindful. Like, so the day I found out I was pregnant, I still remember feeling like my body was so tired. Like I was, he was, I think JT was seven months when I found out I was pregnant again. And I remember I was, I had a meet lined up. I was going to do a meet that whole coming thing back. Like, again, we could have a whole other chat about that whole process. But I was like, okay, I'm going to do a meet in October because I found out I was pregnant in the in, end of August. An Olympic lifting meet to clarify, yes. right? Yes. Uh, a weightlifting meet. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then again, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not going to cut weight. So I'm good. <laughs> See how I, I try to find all these ways to justify things. And it, it was what it was, but anyway, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this meet. And I remember I went for a heavy day that day. And I think I snatched like 145 and I clean and jerked like 196 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember it feeling awful. I remember feeling like my body was like, why are you making me do this? Right. But of course, in my mind, I was like, this is just getting back to it. This is me just, you know, I'm, it's not going to feel like it did before. I remember slightly thinking like, but I feel like it shouldn't feel this hard on my body right now. Right. And then right. And again, like this, it's just this, this ongoing battle in my head that I couldn't, I couldn't turn off. And then that, later that night I found out I was pregnant <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, so here we go. And I think it was, that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because I feel like had I kept going down that road, I either would have hurt myself in some way, shape or form, or I would have driven myself insane emotionally and mentally because of all the expectations I thought I had that were on me. So I made it a point for that pregnancy to be like, okay, I'm going to do a little bit better. Still didn't really know what that was, but I think that was around when I found your page. And I remember feeling like, okay, she's talking more about things that I, I fall in line with. Like it makes so much more sense, but there were still things that kind of, I couldn't let go. 
I couldn't not do the class workout the way it was designed. Like why? But I, cause I could, so why not? <laughs> so I, uh, and then again, so we should backtrack my first pregnancy. I played a game. It was a really stupid game. I look back on now. I wanted to see how, how long I could do a strict muscle up for. Cause again, I wasn't kipping, but I'm going to see how long I can do it for. Yeah. And I think JT, I was, it, it pains me to, to share this, but I feel like people should know this because this is what went on in my yeah, head. And I this thought, happens all the time still. <laughs> yeah. I think I was, it was the last day going into my third trimester. So until the end of my second trimester, I did a strict muscle up with JT and I watched the video. I think I posted it the other day and I watched it and I was like, I am struggling. Like, I did it, but I just remember looking at that. Like, and again, I felt fine. Like there were no issues. I had no anything. But I remember just looking and I remember seeing how I felt like just what I was going through emotionally and what I felt like I had to prove. And it hurts my heart to know that that was me at one point. Right. Because you guys, and, it's not about the ability. It's like, what, mm-hmm. what was that like mental health process for you? Oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's what we mean. It's not to be discouraging of one thing or another. It's more of mm-hmm. like, what is the root of what's driving this? And is that healthy for where you're at and what you want. Exactly. And I think that was the biggest thing that I learned through my second pregnancy was I had, I was, that was like the start of me kind of digging into what my triggers were, what my mindset was truly like, like why I was doing what I was doing. And I think that's why people I think would look to me because they would think like, Oh, but you could do this. And in my head, I'm like, it's not about me doing it. It was what went on in my head. And I was miserable. I kept trying to please everybody else that I had no, I had no energy or space left in my brain to care about me or to even be the mom that I wanted to be because I was so obsessed and so caught up in trying to still hold on to the fitness person I was before I had kids. And that's, I think the, the most important lesson that I learned, you know, through my pregnancies was that it was never about what I could do because I could... I'm very confident I could have done everything exactly the same and I would have been fine. Like I, I, I honestly believe that, but it wasn't about that. And I think that's what a lot of people think, like what pregnancy is They're like, Oh, well, if you can do, it's about like what you're like, what you physically can see or what you can do in the gym, you know, to set the example, you know, to make sure you're leading a healthy lifestyle when it wasn't about that. It was what was going in, what was going on between my own ears, what was going right. on in my heart how I was allowing that all to affect my life outside of the gym. And that's the stuff that people don't realize was a really big deal for me. And I'm sure for a lot of other women out there, because those are the things that you can't necessarily see, you know, it's not something that people, you can just post like a lift on Instagram, right? you know, and it's literally having to undo and you're chasing this uphill battle of trying to share this, this concept with people that it's hard to grasp unless you've kind of seen it in person and you've had to deal with it on your, like in your own way. Absolutely. This is an ongoing thing for me in my life. It's like, am I sabotaging myself in like a quest for better or Mm -hmm. stronger or faster or doing this with business? Like literally freaking anything, right? Is my (laughs) quest for this thing actually complementing my health and my happiness and whatever? Or is it compromising it and then measuring the worth of that? Like nothing's going to be easy, but then like, what is the real motivating factor here? Whether you choose to keep doing that or not, it's just more of like the awareness of that. Mm -hmm. And then it really helps 
I guess, create some priority around our choices, our reasons. And then when we talk about making informed choices around literally everything, (laughs) it's then being able to sit back and say, I was aware that this was my reason and I accepted that risk or I, I, that was the choice I made. And now I can better deal with any repercussion of that because I was informed. I made that choice and now Mm -hmm. I can, I can deal with that. Whereas so many other people are just blinded and they're like, what? I had no idea. Or they didn't allow themselves to have that internal dialogue, you know? Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where it's like, you won't know until it's almost too late. And by too late, I just mean, you know, you look back and realize, oh, I, I could have done this, you know, and then that just adds on a whole bunch more of that mom guilt that it, um, just, it becomes a never ending cycle. Oh, absolutely. I wish I could have the first year of Kate's life back. I was so occupied with like, I need to look better. What's wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? Like I just mm-hmm. was this constant cycle of just like working so hard to find something normal again that I, I was not able to acclimate to a new normal because I was trying to find the old normal. And I, I hate that seven years mm-hmm. later, I still like, it yeah. makes me sad, but also for any mom listening, who's like, shit, me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have their whole life mm-hmm. to be the mom that we are becoming. Like I have a great relationship with that boy. It's just, I, when I really look back on who I was and how I was struggling, there's, I have a lot of empathy for that girl. Cause she just wasn't ready yet. And we're, mm-hmm. we're having this conversation so that we can help others really navigate those periods of evolution with more grace and empathy and acceptance. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for every woman that's listening to this, that, you know, may feel that same way, you're not a bad person. Like the things that we talk about, like we can look back and kind of wish we had done things different, but at the same time, had we not gone through those experiences, we likely wouldn't be where we are now. And so it's yeah. it's kind of trying to find that silver lining in, in those events in our life and moving forward from them and acknowledging that, you know, it's okay to be sad about what had happened, but at the same time, ultimately moving forward because of that. And because of those experiences, what are we doing now to make life better for ourselves? Oh yeah. There's so much goodness to be able to pay forward. So Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, what helped you create some change or maybe just helped with your overall awareness and approach? Like what was some pivotal moments or moments for you? Oh, so the pivotal moment, and I tell you this all the time, and I'm going to take this to my grave and I will preach this from the mountaintops was the call that you were like, let's schedule a call. I'm like, she wants to actually like talk to me on the phone. I'm like, okay. And like, I didn't even like know you back then. So how did that, I don't remember. How did that start? I don't even remember this conversation. Uh, I think I like messaged you on Instagram and I just remember like being so desperate to figure out like, okay, then when's a good time to start lifting. When's a good time to start, you know, cause I, I had just purchased the coach course, mm-hmm. but I was two months postpartum, I think when I got it. And so I was going, I remember going through the modules and just, I was, again, I was torn because I, I knew I, everything that I was reading and listening to made so much sense. But then there was the part of me that was like, but I want to, but I feel fine, but this is my goal right? Because of my background, I felt like I was still the exception to the rule. I wasn't like 
the best at any, like I wasn't like completely great, but I was a fairly decent athlete in CrossFit and weightlifting, but I felt like I could be the exception to the rule and I couldn't let that go. And I remember thinking, okay, well, if I ask her and if she tells me it's cool, then I'm going to, I'm going to hear what I want to hear. And I legitimately remember thinking that like, if you say it's okay, I'm going to be good. <laughs> Little did I know that's not the answer I was going to get. Yeah. It um, was like this DM that was like, you know what? <laughs> I think I just need to talk to you. Like, I can't, this is not something that can even be discussed through ADM. <laughs> no, because I remember that day. Yeah, that same day I had just posted. Again, I was like, I think I was like eight or nine weeks postpartum and I snatched 115, but it actually felt really good because I actually felt like, I was like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Like my body didn't feel as like, as it did after my first pregnancy. So I'm like, and I was like going through some of the stuff in the coaches course. And I was like, I tried to almost use the things that I was learning now in a way to, to fit what I wanted, even though I deep down, I think I knew better. And I remember I even made a post about it. And then after our conversation, like you just asked me, like you were asking me the hard questions. You asked me, well, why? And I remember thinking, I don't know why I'm in, I'm in such a hurry. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I needed to feel like I needed to qualify for the American open, you know, less than a year postpartum just to say that I could. And I think it was in that moment that I was like, I saw my ego, my, my ego was showing, (laughs) you know? And I, and I remember thinking I wanted to fight you on it, but I knew you were right, but no one has said it to me right? The only other person that does that is, is my coach, but he's the guy. And so he didn't really understand. He just kind of was like trying to step back and kind of trying to give me that space because it wasn't anything that he thought that he could really speak on, right. you know? And so for it to come from you, it was like, okay, I think, I think she's onto something. And I think my resistance is because I know she's right. And I need to dig into this. And I think that was when I decided to do the eight week postpartum course. And this was like three months postpartum, maybe. And I was like, okay, I'm going to reset. I'm going to do this. And so that was like my first step was, you know, realizing that having someone that saw me, but was willing to tell me the things that I didn't necessarily want to hear, but that I needed to hear coming from a coach's standpoint, right? Because if I said that to someone else, like it makes so much sense, but it's so much different when you hear it to you, <laughs> you know? Well, I think for coaches listening, I mean, when I was talking to Vanessa, I don't even, I, it's not like I was her coach. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, she was working through the coach course and whatnot, mm-hmm. but you know, it was just more of like a woman to woman, mom to mom, athlete to athlete, coach to coach conversation. It's not mm-hmm. me telling her what to do. I was genuinely trying to collect more information about her to understand what this game plan really needed to look like for her to make sure that her body was going to be able to perform the way that she wanted it to. And so the more our very basic conversation evolved, the more I could hear her, like, I just feel like I remember you getting like flustered and then like, Uh you would almost have a comeback, (laughs) you know, like, but it was genuinely just, it was just trying to have a conversation of understanding. And when people mm-hmm. are like, I don't know how to work with someone who has an athlete brain, just freaking understand them. Like try mm-hmm. to understand them and try to relate to them. And then they will answer their own freaking questions. <laughs> I didn't have to coach you or tell you what to do. It was like, all I had to do was kind of give you the assist, right? Mm-hmm. And then you solved the rest of it. 
Like you finished it. It really was just saying it out loud because all these conversations I had in my own head and I felt like I had no where to put it. I had no one to bounce those ideas off of to kind of even again, just give me an answer back. That wasn't my own answer for me trying to convince myself otherwise, you know, because at the time, again, I was going through the coaches course, but I still hadn't necessarily dealt with the mindset and the mental and emotional issues that I was dealing with through both of those pregnancies, those things still hadn't been addressed. And so I thought even just by taking a course that those things were going to go away, but I realized in our conversation, they clearly had not. (laughs) Right. And so you can just, from there, it was about just doing the next right thing for you Mm -hmm. versus a set program or a meet to compete in or Mm -hmm. a schedule to have. I think that was like, you started your own process of getting Mm -hmm. better. I feel like I've watched you just become a more well-rounded human in your overall approach to health and being an athlete and being a coach and being a mom within all of your integrity. And it started because of that conversation. And I'm, like I said, I'm going to take it. I'm going to keep yelling this from the mountaintops until I die because like it literally changed my life because it was from there that I decided, okay, like what was next? Cause a lot of people like they'll hear this and I know it sounds so easy. And like you, you probably already, you probably get this. Like as we're having this conversation, you're probably thinking, that makes so much sense. I, I totally feel like I totally feel like I get it. And then you're gonna get off this podcast, and then you're gonna be like, "Well, what now? Why doesn't this happen overnight? Or you know, how long is that gonna take?" And it seems almost daunting. And it's again, it's it's those little things every day. So I remember one of the first things I did was I stopped following certain pages that made me feel bad. Like straight up, I had to delete certain Fitspo pages that you know that lady that looks like she has a six pack right after she has a baby. And now she has a program selling it to people. Like I had to unfollow those pages because, and because yes. And and to a certain point it was because I felt bad because it made me bitter and it made me want to compare myself to them. So I had to, I had to unfollow. And as soon as I started doing that, I filled my feed with pages that were things that weren't going to cover a certain topic as a black or white statement. It wasn't a blanket statement. It wasn't, you have to do this. It wasn't based off of fear. I, I try to find pages that filled that and it wasn't and not just in, you know, the fitness space, but I did it in, you know, the mom pages that I would follow, right? right? Like the like nutrition for kids, like that kind of stuff, you know, nutrition for athletes, like that, those kinds of pages. I, I started filling my page or my feed with pages that were encompassing the, the mindset I wanted to have right. because I knew I wasn't there yet. And I knew that if I'm going to be scrolling down, I wanted to make sure that I'm filling it with those constant reminders. Right. No, absolutely. I, I definitely did and still have to do that where I, mm-hmm. if I am not learning from you or connecting with you, if it feels toxic mm-hmm. to look at your story or your post, <laughs> I'm going to move, like, I'm going to move on. Like that is not worth it. You know, like you want mm-hmm. to feel good in as many ways as you possibly can. We have control of our social media. We do, mm-hmm. right? Like we can control what other people do, but we do have control over what we allow to infiltrate that space for us. So you do that just by slowly cleaning it up. And then what did you do in the gym to start reassessing your what you wanted or needed? So in the gym, I so after I did the eight-week postpartum course, I 
just kind of, I told my coach, like, this is what I want to do. I told him, like, I wanted to focus more on making sure that if I was going to come back into weightlifting and CrossFit, that I wanted to do it the right way. So go figure all the things that I would, that I wanted to work on before I even got pregnant. I was like, weird. Turns out I can do all that right now. But I didn't give myself that space before because I was so focused on, you know, lifting heavy weight and feeling like there was all that rush even before kids. So right. now I, I looked at it as an opportunity to be like, okay, I'm going to start from scratch. I'm going to focus on applying my strategies that I learned through the eight week course and going through what that looks like. So true progression back into it because it was one of those things that even when I went, got into CrossFit, I just kind of jumped into it. I never took a fundamental class because I learned how to Olympic weightlifting college. So it was kind of like, okay, just jump right in. So I did. And I took it upon myself to be like, okay, if I want to do these things like snatch and clean heavy again, I need to make sure I'm setting a good foundation for myself. You know, the things that I tell everybody else. Yeah. I needed to do that for myself. (laughs) So it was telling my coach and telling him like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I need. And I remember telling myself and being okay with having to adjust on the fly, being okay with, okay, if I only get this much time to to do this, then this is what I'm going to get in. It was a mindset shift where I wasn't tied into any numbers, even though it maybe had a percentage on there. I was focusing on how I felt. I was focusing on, you know, being mindful of what maybe emotional triggers were coming up. Right. You know, that, that, uh, that sense of, Ooh, I think I can push this. Okay. I don't need to right now. Right. And I think it's giving ourselves, it sucks in the moment, but I remember thinking like, if I do this now, I'm giving myself the best opportunity at a Mm -hmm. lifetime of being able to do everything I want to do. Like there is purpose in the patience. There's purpose in the like, taking a step back and setting my ego aside and being a continual learner or taking the time to recover, taking the time to heal, taking the time to scale back something like a load or the volume or intensity so that I could be better four years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, and just have a really solid base of athleticism instead of being only performance-based or only aesthetic-based goals. Mm Absolutely. And it's funny because when you talk, when you tell someone or when someone comes to you and you ask them like, Oh, what's your goal? Like when they first start working out or they come back from having a baby, like I feel like 9.9 times out of 10, the response is I want to be healthy and happy and do this, make a lifestyle change. Right. But then half the time it, it almost has to be like that pendulum swing to being like, okay, I need to be in the gym two hours a day. I need to look this way. I need it to happen this fast and this soon. Otherwise, I, I don't think it's working. Right, right. And absolutely. I, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. And it's, it's really, it's hard because then that's not super sustainable. And then we just mm-hmm. have that yo-yo forever. And that's yeah. not what we're going for <laughs> when we're really trying to encourage a sustainable approach. So I think that you have done a really great job of showcasing a way to still be an athlete, still do the things that you loved before you had babies and Mm -hmm. you're able to pay it forward through the coaching that you do. And Mm -hmm. you're able to have a really healthy relationship with your body 
and with your performance. And I think like when we really talk to women about what they want, the majority want that, right? Like where we have a little bit of who we were before we became moms, we still have what's important to us and we can still, we still have so much more to discover within that athletic realm. And then also not jeopardizing our relationship with our kids or our partner Mm -hmm. or our overall like lifestyle, because we are so regimented and we are so extreme in what we do that we're missing out on some really freaking important years. Oh yeah. I think that was like just recently, right? Like I, I made a post and I remember thinking how the way that I feel now and the way that I approach fitness, the way that I approach nutrition, the way that I approach hell, even parenting, like the way that I even parent my kids. I remember feeling like I wanted this during our first call. And I was wondering why isn't this happening now? (laughs) And, and I felt like that, that was why I almost was so frustrated was because I knew that's what I wanted, but I didn't understand how to get there. And it wasn't until recently that I realized that you have to go through it. Yeah. Time has to go by. But at the same time, if time goes by and you do nothing about it, then it's, you're going to end up being in the same spot. And so you have to put yourself in those situations that are going to challenge you. So something as small as having that second guess thought of, Oh, do I want to push this and telling yourself, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, take that as my sign to step back first, because I still have all this time. I'm still fairly, you know, newly postpartum. I'm, I'm learning. I, I want to give myself time to grow and progress. It starts there. It starts with those little shifts in the mindset of understanding, okay, what are my triggers? Why, why, why am I upset about this? Why do I feel the need to make this weight jump or to do this certain movement if it doesn't make me feel good? You know, and it's, it's in those little things that seem like they're not a big deal because, you know, maybe before kids, when you were an athlete before it wasn't a big deal. Right. Absolutely. And we're all, we're all still just growing up. Like I look back Mm -hmm. at, you know, my first pregnancy with Cade and just that whole transition. And I'm like, God, I was, I was a baby too. Like Mm -hmm. I was learning too. And we have to give ourselves so much grace and credit for we do what we know at the time. And then we, we start collecting information over time and then we can keep getting better and doing better as parents in our fitness, in our, you know, just how we coach or what we, how we choose to pay forward some of the wisdom we collect over time. And I love everything that you share on social media and how powerful it is and that journey. And I think it really seems like you're getting, at least from the outside looking in, it looks like you're living and doing exactly what you want to be doing. And that is so valuable. And I wouldn't be here without you. <laughs> well, certainly in this quest together. Cause I mean, it, yeah, once you, once you see it or, and especially once you live it, you can't, you can't unsee it. And you know, it, it really does help to keep paying forward better information. And I appreciate that you're doing that through your coaching and through your platform and through how you keep performing as an athlete. So you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story. And, you know, hopefully anyone that's listening will, you know, realize that it's never what we do. It's how we do it. And 
not just how, but why and how that why affects the rest of our lives outside of the gym, because that's where, that's where our lives are made. I love it. That's so, so true. Well, Vanessa, where can people follow you at? Uh, my Instagram is V underscore Reyes. Yes. My maiden name still, cause <laughs> I'm that person that won't change it. <laughs> and yeah, that's where I'm, I'm usually a lot of my stuff is on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for chatting and guys, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.